burning bush. And in part of him, there was some fear, uh, uncertainty, what's going on here. Um, in other parts, there wasn't because the only thing that made that burning bush unusual was the fact that a voice was coming from it. Outside of that, it wasn't unusual for dry bushes to catch on fire. Just like it's not unusual for us to have an un, uh, uh, a fire just ignite, thank you, a fire ignite out of nowhere. So the bush being on fire was not unusual. What was, what was the most unusual was that there was a voice coming from it. You know, and, and if we're not careful sometimes, we don't recognize the door that's in front of us. And if we walk up to the bush that we think, well, bushes catch on fire all the time. So we just walk on by it. But if we walk by this bush that's on fire that might be like five others we've seen and suddenly there's something coming from it. We want to acknowledge the voice. And when he ever, whenever he wants to show himself and demonstrate himself, we need to, you guys can be seated, thank you. We need to see that and be aware of that. I know they're ready. I'm, I'm just ready to teach this morning. Being moved by what we were singing, and, and I got to tell you right now, I gotta, I'm hesitant to turn my computer on because I'm afraid it's going to die, so I wrote some bullet points on my, I forgot to charge it up. My iPad is totally dead, and uh, this is close, so I wrote some points here, so... But I know what Holy Spirit wants me to say today. But i got to tell you what's in my heart and what provokes me and what stirs me. As a man, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a leader, a minister, a teacher, um, whatever it might be, I am thankful that there's a passion that's present in me, no matter which hat I'm wearing at whatever given time, to get person A that is only moving in part of their purpose into becoming person A that is moving in all of their purpose. And it never matters what hat I'm wearing. It never matters what capacity I'm in. It never matters whether I'm on the platform at the Rock of Church, uh, Central Florida. What's the name of this church? <laughs> whether I'm on the platform at the Rock of Central Florida or sitting behind a table at the Rock of Mid-Michigan or sitting at my kitchen table on Chesterwood Lane. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that in my heart of hearts, I recognize doorways. I recognize that doorway is a 3-0 door. That's three feet wide. That doorway is five feet wide. I recognize those double doors are six feet wide. I recognize that each of these doors take me to very different places. And depending on where I want to be, that's going to make me choose which door I'm going to go through. If I want to be in the barn room where the kids are playing right now, I want to go through that door. If I want to be in what we call the L-shaped room where stuff is stored that will become a classroom in about two hours, I'm going through that door. If I want to access stuff that nobody knows what it is, I go through that door. If I want Nation's Cafe, I go through that one. If I want to go to the reception center, I'll go through that one. But I realize that every door on the, on the other side of that door, there's a destination. 
And going through that door, I go through it on purpose. I choose. And you come to the place when you meander and you move and you grow and you learn and you're being changed in the kingdom of God where you begin to recognize what's on the other side of the door. You begin to recognize this isn't just a bush that's on fire. This is a bush that's talking to me. This isn't just a door that leads me to the barn room. This is a door that leads me to kids who are looking for an example. This isn't just doors that lead me to the coffee shop here at the Rock of Central Florida called Nations Cafe. This is a door that every cup of coffee I buy provides for missions so that I can reach people who don't have a church to go to. When I go to the reception desk, how can I find out how I can be a voice and an influence to somebody in my neighborhood or somewhere else? And on and on and on and on. So what's in my heart always is that my passion, my, my, my drive, I'm driven to do a couple of things. I judge. I know, I know in your mind you're thinking, you, that's not my job to judge. But I do judge and so do you. So every time you say you don't, just stop lying against the truth. <laughs> because we do judge right from wrong. We make those judgments every day in our lives. Every time you look at somebody and you say, I like that dress or I don't like that dress, you just judge that. You judge their choice. I judge that they can't choose a good color. Husbands never fail there because no matter what their wife wears, it's always right. But I look at people's lives and I see where they are and I'm always, no matter who they are, no matter who they are, no matter how long they've known the Father, even myself, no matter how long they've known the Father, when I look at people's lives, I look at them and I think, wow, how can I be a part of helping them access everything that God has for them? It's never in my mind, I've never met the first person, neither of you, I'm assuming, it's an assumption maybe I shouldn't make, but I've never met the first person where I've looked at them and I thought, man, there's nothing better. That's as good as it gets. Now, on, on Valentine's Day for my wife, that might be true. This is as good as it well, Even this year, was. she didn't get her Valentine's card till yesterday. <laughs> it's true. I had it written. It was in my office. I just kept forgetting to bring it home. <laughs> so I told her, I said, I've been thinking about you all week long. But I did other things. I took her to eat, and I got her flowers, and she wrote me a sweet little... Anyway, that's side, side point. <laughs> but I've never seen the person that I look at and I think, man, there's no room for growth. There's no room for change. There's no room for increase. Have you? So my heart and soul is always, man, it's never to just have a good church service. If I thought I had to get up every week and, and hope, my hope was that we had a good church service, I'd have stopped doing this a long time ago. Because it's never, however many people are in this room right now, good is defined very differently for each one. The one that's ministered to in the deepest part of their heart and somehow Yahweh spoke something to them that just really touched them, it was the best service I've ever been at. Somebody else on the other side of the room, I didn't get anything out of that today. So it's never just to have a good church service. What it is is to grow us in our mind, make us think about what we heard. What did we just hear? To provoke, 
to provoke thought, to provoke us to consider where we are. Where could we be? Do I want to be somewhere deeper, further? Do I want to achieve greater things? Do I want to know Him in a different kind of way? No matter how I know Him now, He's so vast, so broad, so abundant, so omniscient, so om-everything. There's so much to know about Him. How can I provoke you to know those parts in Him where the burning bush, where the burning bushes, I don't know what the right English is, where the burning bushes exist that you haven't yet experienced? And I want to find those places. So I'm driven. You know, there's a story. Let me close this until I get ready to jump in. The, uh, there's a story that you'll be familiar with about a man that's historical. His name's Spartacus. How many are familiar with Spartacus? You've heard his name. You know a little bit about him. Maybe know a lot about him. Probably know more about him than I do. Interesting fella. Interesting, interesting, interesting man. Spartacus fought for, he was, uh, I can't remember where he was from, Thrace somewhere. And uh, this is about a hundred years. I think he was born in a little over a hundred years before Christ. I know when he died. He died in 70 B.C., but I'm not sure when he was born. I think, about, I think he only lived to about 30-something years old. But he's an interesting man because he was a driven man. He, he married. I'm just giving you the gist of it. But he was a man that married young, was happily married, was conscripted into the Roman army, went into the Roman army, then he was commanded to uh, do things that did not sit well in his spirit, so he chose not to do it. There was some rebellion in this fellow, but there, was, there were things that did not sit well with him, and I don't know what all those things are, but uh, he chose not to do it. Therefore, they enslaved him, the Romans enslaved him, and then they sold him to some dude that owned a gladiator place. And the guy, I forgot his name, doesn't matter, but the guy that owned the, the gladiator school, the, he owned all these slaves that were gladiators. Just track with me. He owned all these slaves, these gladiators. And he brought Spartacus in and he began to raise him up. Spartacus became a champion with a couple other people, Crixus and somebody else. But he raised them up to be champions. They became champions. After some time had passed, I don't know how much time, but some time had passed and, and they began to look to each other and they began to realize, man, they're making lots of money off of our blood. We're going into these arenas. We're fighting. We're killing people that don't deserve to be killed for their entertainment. And when I think about that, I think about today what the church does to itself. It kills people for entertainment to prop ourselves up, and to make us feel good about ourselves in so many ways. The church is out today, they're doing things, there's people in churches right now that are gathered in churches right now are hearing the same message they heard a year ago, and it's simply for entertainment. There's no life in it. There's nobody going to stand up and say, it's, there's, a, there's a pathway. In the pathway, sometimes it's easy and sometimes the pathway is not easy, but lines need to be drawn. We need to know who we are. And Spartacus and Crixus and whoever else the other folks were, and they begin to put together a plot and a scheme, and they broke free from this ludus, which is what that gladiator schools call, their gladiator schools were called ludus, luduses, and they broke away from this ludus, and they begin to, I don't know how many there were in the beginning, I think there were like 30 of them or something, but they went out into the woods in the wilderness of, of 
that land where they were and they begin to hide out and, and then they begin to go to these little villages and they would set slaves free. They would go from house to house and lutus to lutus and, and they would fight and they would battle and they begin to build up that army. They, they believed in something. And one of two things was certain to them, we're going to die. Whether it's in the arena or as a free man, we're going to die. So let's, let's die on our terms. There's a greater glory. Everybody say there's a greater glory. So I'm getting to a point here. So Spartacus takes these men and they build up the army and they slowly as they begin to win this battle and this battle and the Romans are sending their legions and they're going to fight them and trying to stamp them out. And these gladiators who are well trained, very muscular, very strong, they know how to fight better than everybody, they're beating the Romans. The first time the Romans had any experience at all with somebody rising up against them like that. They didn't even know what to do with it. Shocked and in awe. Is, how is it even possible that these people who were slaves to us, everything we told them to do, they did. Everything we told them to believe, they believed. Everything that we expected of them, they gave us that. If they didn't, we beat them, we killed them, whatever it was. But we owned them. We owned them. Until somebody rose up and said, but you don't. But you don't. But you don't own me. But you don't own me religion. All of them were good Catholics. Every one of them good Catholics while they're watching them die in the arena. But you don't own them. You don't own them. And they don't own you. And they begin to build their army. 70,000 some odd strong begin to defeat the Romans. The Romans didn't know what to do. They sent more legions. They defeated them. Until they didn't. And you know when the Spartacus armies failed? Two people. Spartacus and Crixus. Two gladiators who in the beginning were of one mind. One spirit suddenly got different ideas. Crixus said, I want to go this way and defeat him on the mountain, on the snowy ridge. Spartacus said, Don't go that way because you're going to divide us. And they were defeated because of division, not because of lack of strength. Not because of lack of vision. Not because of lack of purpose. They defeated because it was all misplaced. They were defeated because it was all misplaced. When I think about the church today, when I think about my heart, I think about Spartacus, even though I don't know what his... I'm, I'm sure, you know, they were Greekish, so I'm sure they were... I don't know where that land of Thrace, I think, what is that? Is that Bulgaria or somewhere? Does anybody know? Liz, where's that at? I think it's Bulgaria or somewhere. But, the, um, but they believed in many gods. We're not that. There's only one God. But this is what I do know Spartacus believed if I can show people a way, I can change people and let them know there is more than what they've been given. My heart and soul 
is to teach every single person that sits under the sound of my voice there is more than what you've been given. Clearly, there were those slaves that felt comfortable and slaved them. They were happy to be slaves. It was safe. It was secure. They weren't going to be sent to the arena. They were pouring wine every day. They were happy to be slaves. So they didn't become a part of it. They stayed in their religion. They stayed in that thing that provided them no life. Gave them a little food every now and then. While they slept in their little caves. But they were never able to increase. Never able to grow. And never free. That is not what God has in mind for you. I'm not Spartacus and I'm not starting a rebellion. But what is in my heart is the same thing that drove him. And that is, if people only knew who they could be, you can change the world. If you can get people to understand who they are and who they were created to be, you can change the world. My heart is to change the world. This piece at a time, Sanford, Central Florida, wherever that extends to. One piece at a time. But you've got to believe first. You've got to believe that there's more than you've been given. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe that it doesn't come without cost. Not sacrifice. That's different. It's only a sacrifice when you wish you didn't have to give it. I wish I didn't have to give this thing up. That's a sacrifice. Cost is different because cost is, this is what it's going to cost you. There's going to be some challenging moments. I'm glad to do it. Cost and sacrifice are not the same. So my heart and soul for you today. What's our next step? What's our next step? How many in here want to change the world? Is there anybody in here that's just satisfied with the way it is? Anybody watching online? Raise your hand. You're satisfied with the way it is? No. We're not satisfied with the way it is. We believe in something greater. God purposed you and me for something greater. And we're going to lay hold of it. I'm going to talk about something today. Now I'm going to open my computer and see how long it lasts. But I'm going to talk about something today called the four A's of a changed life. Four A's of a changed life. It's four simple words, but before I jump into that, I want to read in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33 verses 1 through 6 say this, said, The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people, whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go among you, unless I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." And when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his garments. 
For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your garments that I may know what to do with you. I haven't made up my mind yet. I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. But he said, take off your garments so that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, verse 6, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. And he said, in verse 14, I'm skipping to verse 14. And Jesus, or God said, my presence will go with you because you did this. You stripped all that off. You broke it all down. You made yourself raw and vulnerable. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Everybody say, he said, he said I, will I will give you rest. Say it this way. Everybody say, because they stripped themselves, they stripped themselves. made themselves vulnerable, made themselves vulnerable. God, said, God said, I will go with you. And I will give you rest. And then in verse 17, skipping a couple verses, the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, Moses, and I now, I know you by name. I am very aware of the kind of man that you are. How many want the Father to say about you, you are the kind of man, I know the kind of man that you, I know the kind of woman that you are. I know the kind of person that you are. I am familiar with your nature. I am familiar with your passions. I'm familiar with what makes you tick. I'm familiar with the oomph that is within you. The grit and the resolve that you have. And I like it. So I want to talk about four things. First one is called awareness. Let me address all of them first. There's a slide I put on there. I don't know if, yeah, there you go. Look at them. They're way ahead of me. But I'm going to, I'm going to don't put the, leave that slide up there, but I'm going to tell you what all four of them are. Four A's of a changed life are awareness, acceptance, accountability, and access. Say them with me. Awareness, awareness. acceptance, Accountability, accountability and access. access. There's a little bit of difference between each one, and each one of these is, is a place, within each one of these, is a place that any of us can find ourselves. We can be, any of us could have been in each of these at different points in our life. Ultimately, we want to get to the last one, that access place. Let's talk about what it is. So awareness is that place where I've seen, but I'm not yet convinced. Let's think about the, let's talk about the, uh, uh, the Israelite people when they were coming out of Egypt. Think about all the things that the Israelites saw when, they, when God delivered them from Egypt. Whatever it was, they saw the, sna- the staff turned into snakes, they saw the Red Sea parted, they saw water come out of the rock, they saw manna come from heaven, they saw the plagues that hit Egypt in order for them to be delivered, the firstborn was perished. They saw all of these things and yet all along the way between each miracle, here's these same people saying, we don't know if he does exist or not. These same people that when they crossed the Red Sea, by, the, scripture say that they, the Scripture says they crossed on dry ground and then the Egyptians followed them and when they followed them, the Red Sea closed upon them, consumed all of them, none were left. 
And they were lining the shores of the sea, the, the, the sea. And yet just a little bit later, where is your God, Moses? Did He lead us out here to die? Because we find ourselves in some difficult situations. He delivered us then, but where's the deliverer now? I wonder under the sound of my voice, is there anybody in here, you knew of a moment where He delivered you and then you, suddenly you found yourself, where's the deliverer now? Do we laugh because we relate? Many, many times, many times, I've been asked that question. You know, I don't know if God really does exist. I'm not sure He exists. I've seen things that look like He might exist, but I don't know that He does exist. How can you prove He does exist? Well, I can tell you, it's going to be near impossible to prove that God exists in the life of somebody who can't accept that God exists. Because if somebody says, show me that God exists, you're not going to... God is not the kind of God. Yahweh's not the kind of God that's going to come... He, there's only one God, so there's no other option. But He's not going to come in and He's going to say, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an orb flow through the room so that you believe. And He's not going to say, I'm going to heal this person just so you'll believe. Because if you can't believe by faith, when I do heal that person, you're going to chalk it up to, wow, what a coincidence. There's ten other scientific reasons that could justify them being healed. Wow, the water separated. You're going to justify that. The seas split. Well, it was a hurricane. The storms, the winds blew right. It was just perfect. But how many of us fall into the category where there's these, these four A's that lead us someplace? In the beginning, we all begin with that awareness thing. I remember when I got saved and when I came in there, there was, there was something in me that wanted to know what does it mean this youth revival, what is that? I'm aware that God has moved around me and my, some of my family. He's, he's also not moved in much of my family. How many can relate to that? So when I see God moving over here, i got to wonder, why is He not moving over here? If He can do that miracle in their life, why doesn't He do the miracle in their life? But I was aware that there's a God. I was aware that He, he was real and I was never a denier that there was God, I was just never an acceptor. I never sunk my teeth into it. I was never, not a believer in the sense that I believed, but I was not a receiver in the sense I gave Him no room. But we come into this place, everybody, no matter who we are, because especially a lot of times it's because of religions and, and thoughts and whatever that religion might be. It could be any religion. I'm not just talking about Pentecostals or Baptists or Catholics or, or whatever they might be. I'm, I'm talking about everything. It doesn't matter to me whether you're Hindu, you're Muslim, you're, you're whatever. You come into this thing, there's an awareness that there is a God. All of these people serve a God. Sometimes they try to convince each other that they're serving the same God. And they make up all these arguments to convince one another. There's an awareness that there is a God. But I'm going to tell you there's only one answer that will demonstrate who the real God is. We're going to get to that. So there's this awareness, I see, I hear, I see Him moving in this life, I see Him moving in that life. I'm curious about this, but there's a lack of convincing. Then there's acceptance. person goes from awareness 
Just like they did here when I read in Genesis chapter 33, they go from this place of awareness. Okay, Moses, we know that there is a God because He did do these, He did send these plagues and He did get us out of Egypt and He did part the Red Sea. He did do these things. But you know what? Um, Moses, I'm aware of that. And now that I'm aware of it, I'm going to accept that truly it is God. I'm just not sure that I'm going to chalk it up to the God you're talking about. So I accept that there is a God that did these things. But I need to decide now who that God is. I need to decide when the Red Sea parted and I've become, when I've accepted that there is a God, am I going to believe that that God is an omniscient God, a heavenly Father, or am I going to believe that it is the God of the winds? Are you hearing me this morning? Or am I going to believe when, when there's a miracle and I, and I accept that there is a God and somehow, um, suddenly, I got a promotion on my job? Am I going to believe that it is the Father that actually did that in my life? The Father actually opened those doorways? Or am I going to simply make it not the God, the living God, but I make it the God of hard work? It's because of what I did that that promotion came without understanding, without accepting that whatever I did, that I think I did to make that happen, I could not do if it were not for the handiwork of the Father in my life. Whatever knowledge that you or I possess, we possess only because the Father spoke that knowledge into you and me. So the acceptance is I've accepted because these people are stiff-necked. They're so proud of themselves, I can't get through their pride. They're so stubborn. They're arrogant. They're laid up. They think they got it all figured out. They don't believe there's any more mysteries left to be revealed. They think somehow that all of who I am has already been exposed. And that some singular religion, some singular denomination, some singular thing can somehow... Capture all of who the Father is? Impossible. So they've accepted that He is. I accept that you exist, but you're still not going up with me. I know a lot of people like you do. I know a lot of people who, when they walk around, they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but man, when you look at them, you're, you're just like, where's the glory of God? Where's the faith? Are you hearing me today? So they're believers. They've accepted God is. What they haven't accepted is what comes with that, a relationship with Him. Can I tell you that to believe that God exists and then to remain in my own understanding of what the kingdom of God is is to say to the Father, I believe that you are, I just don't believe that you are for me. But what happens? When we move from an awareness, you know, I'm aware that there is a God, and then there's an acceptance, okay, I'm aware, I've seen Him move, now I can accept that, you know, truly He does move in people's lives. When you look around the room and you see him and you're going through things in your life and you might be wondering sometimes, 
Why am I going through this? And it seems like every time they go through something, he just answers their prayer just like that. What we don't know is we never know all the details and we never know all the reasons why God chooses to deal with each of us and to lead us on a very different journey. I want to help you get somewhere this morning. So we're aware, I've seen, but I'm not yet convinced. I've accepted, I have accepted that Yahweh is. And I understand now that Yahweh does not accept stubbornness. He doesn't entertain it. And then comes the third A, it's called accountability. I make myself accountable to the Father. I love it when he said, let me go back here to verse... uh, When the people heard, verse 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the people, you are stiff-necked. If for a single moment I should go, I would consume you. Take off your garments so that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments. Everybody say they stripped themselves. Why? Why? Because suddenly there was a realization, I'm accountable to the Father. Do you know how accountable you are? Do you know that you're accountable to the Father? Do you know He breathed purpose into you and you're accountable to that? Do you know that? There's an accountability in me. There's a need for me to say, you know what? You have placed something in me and passions in me and I'm going to be accountable to that. I make myself, I strip myself of all garments. I strip myself of anything. I make myself vulnerable before you. I'm accountable to you. If I rise or if I fall, it's because I'm walking with you. If the water's high or the water's low, if the sun is shining or the clouds are filling the sky, You're in it. There's a basketball player from Grand Canyon University. His name's Gabe McLaughlin. I I didn't know of him. Has anybody ever heard of him? Nobody, because nobody watches Grand Canyon University. But he's a basketball player at Grand Canyon University, and he was interviewed, and he was asked a question about his abilities and what he does and then his faith. And when they asked him the question, his he answered their question with a question in the interview, and this is what he said. I'm going to quote it. He said, we repent enough to be forgiven, but do we surrender enough to be changed? He said, yes, addressing their question about, you know, you're a player in, the, in college athletics and you're a believer. How do you get through that? The long story was because I'm constantly letting him work in me. It's not just a matter of forgive me of my sins. So again, he said, we repent enough to be forgiven. But do we surrender enough to be changed? I'm going to say it again. We repent enough. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Okay, I can move on with my day. Ah. But what happens with with that repentance? There's a stripping of the garment. There's a removal of everything that got me to the place where I had to say, Father, forgive me. 
There is a point in time for every single person where we must choose to be accountable to Him. Where we must choose. We come to Him. Father, I haven't just accepted. I am aware. I have accepted. And I'm going to be accountable. I've accepted that you are. And I choose to be accountable to you today. And again, I go back to this. The hard things. The hard things. Do you know, can I just tell you from a very personal position? In ministry, one of the hardest things to do, and I know this is going to sound very contrary to what it should be, but in ministry, one of the most difficult things to do is to be honest with people that ask you, can you tell me how, to change, how I can change? Because oftentimes when you're sitting across the table or sitting across the desk from somebody that's asking how to be changed, and you're aware in your life all that their life is right now, and you realize if you begin to unload that, and begin to ask the question, does any of this honor God? You're always aware of the offense that might come up. You're always aware, well, they just don't see it like I see it. They don't understand my circumstances. All of a sudden, there's this lack of vulnerability, and the garments are put on, and the ornaments are put on, but look at this, and look at this, and look at this, and look at this. But you didn't ask me about the ornaments. <laughs> you didn't ask me about the garments. You asked me about the things that hinder you, that I'm aware of and that I know and that maybe Holy Spirit's showing me. So one of the most difficult things in ministry is getting people to accept the accountability for those things that are keeping them from moving deeper into a relationship with the Father. It's very difficult. I don't know over the years, to be honest with you, people that have come and asked me questions and I'm, and I'm honest and I've been honest. I always try to be honest with a smile. <laughs> I always try to be honest realizing that we're all, because I've been there. I've had to go and I've had to receive correction and instruction from people in my life that both older and younger that has been like, hmm. But realizing and knowing in it, there is truth. But they became accountable to the Father. They stripped themselves of their ornaments. They became raw. They became unhindered. They became vulnerable. When we get to the place where we position ourselves to be accountable to Him, And we let him get painfully honest. We sit across the table from the Father. And we say, show me. And his response is, now that you've removed the ornaments, now that you've removed the garments, now that you've removed the pride, now that you've removed the stubbornness, now that you've removed all of the things that you think make you special, Now let me show you why I really did create you. I mean, what happens to a man or a woman? When we go before the Father with all of our dreams, all of our hopes, all of our desires, we lay it before Him and then He never breathes life into it.
minds. These are my dreams. These are my passions. These are the things that I want to do. And we bring it to the Father and we, we step in and, and then there's, He just never breathes life into it. And then we can do a couple of things. We can say, you know what, Father, I'm just going to put on more ornaments and I'm going to shine this thing up and I'm going to make it look better. I'm going to clean up this resume. I'm going to clean up this business plan. I'm going to clean up this whatever it is. I'm going to clean this thing all up. Because, man, when they see what I am capable of and the father said they might see but they aren't looking and they won't be calling but when we go to the father and we sit down across from the father listen to me people listen to me this morning I know this is a little bit serious but when we sit across the table and it's and in its simplest form this is all about repentance healing And we sit across the table from the Father and we say, you know what? I'm aware. I've accepted. And I choose to be accountable. So I come to the table this morning. Raw. I sit at your feet raw. Wide open. I'm not afraid to talk about anything. I'm not afraid... To tell you, I ate the apple. And got duped. Forgive me. How much better would it have been if Adam would have just said, I'm not hiding anymore, here I come. How much better would it have been I ate the apple. I bought the lie. Man, I just thought, one little bite. I own the world. I was still planning to serve you. The Father says it's not about whether or not you serve, it's about whether or not you trust. See, again, and I'll just say it this way, there are a lot of slaves in the kingdom of God. They're all about serving, but they have zero trust. You know when somebody trusts Him because they're no longer slaves. When we become accountable, we sit at His feet and we say, Father, I come before You. I've done nothing. I've seen nothing. I have no accomplishments. I have no successes. I have no failures. I have nothing. I come before you raw. I come before you empty. I come before you exposed. I come before you vulnerable today. Build with this lump of dirt. Build. I'm starting now. Build. When we come to him, when we get to the place where we have become aware, yes, I've seen, but I'm not yet convinced. And that transitions into acceptance. I've accepted, yes, I I believe he is because I see him moving in people's lives and I get to the place where suddenly he's changed my life. I'm accountable. I'm making myself accountable to him. When we do and we come into him raw, 
and we lay it all off. And I'm going to tell you right now, before I move to the next point, I just want to say this in this room right now. There's some folks, man, you, with everything you've got, with everything you've got, you know, we can all fall into this, but you're just hanging on to, to an identity that was never intended for you. You're hanging on to purposes that get you excited in your heart, but they don't get you nearly as excited as the identity that he has for you, the purpose he has for you. But you'll never know what his purpose is for you because you're clinging to your own idea of what your purpose is. But man, when you come to that place and you're just raw, you're naked, you say, you know what, I keep, I, I'm coming up short in this thing and this thing. And we tell ourselves that Hank Aaron, what is it, Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth, whoever, who struck out more than they, more hit, had more strikeouts than hits. Was it Babe Ruth? We tell ourselves that thing over and over. Ah, they just had a lot of strike. I'm just not, I haven't gotten all my strikeouts yet. Father, I come to you vulnerable today. I, I want to skip the strikeout mode, and I, I come to you as a, as, a, as a chunk of dirt. I'm coming to you just, just clay this morning. I'm coming to you clay. Pour some water on me. Soften me up. Begin to shape me. Begin to mold me. Begin to make me. Begin to help my eyes to see what they're supposed to see. I, I choose today to be found in your hand. I choose today to be found right in the middle of your purpose for me. I choose today to be found in that, and I choose to do this with trust. I'm not trying to validate my relationship with you by, by serving in a way that lacks trust. But my validation in you is simply that I believe and I've come to you completely naked. Completely raw. When we come to Him like that, the fourth part of the changed life is access. I have access now to His promises for me. He said to Moses, He said, Moses, I know you by name. Moses, I've watched how you've led this people and I know you by name. I know how to spell it. I say it better than everybody. And I have so much favor stored up for you, Moses, you don't even know what's coming. When we, you and me, when we become baptized into Christ, we are given access to do what we were created to do. My wife and I, the other day, we were, I don't know where we were. We were going somewhere, coming from somewhere, doing something. And in the process of that, we were referring to some people in, that actually are in my family. And um, in that reference point to her, I said, you know, it's unfortunate that this part of that, my family is so... And I don't remember all the details of it. They might be watching. This, I doubt it. They, they have their own church that they go to. But I said, um, I said, it's unfortunate that they're so stuck in religion that every time we have conversation with them, it is sad, depressing. It's never, let me tell you what God is doing in my life. Every time I talk to these family members, it is, well, by the grace of God, we're just getting by. And I'm, by the time I get off that phone, I am utterly depressed. And I just want to ask them, by the grace of what God are you just getting by? Yep. 
And it goes on and on. And my wife said, made this comment and she said, she said, babe, you have to understand they've been baptized into religion. Meaning they've been so submerged in religion that their identity is caught up in how many Bible verses they read without power. How long they pray without anointing. They pray, but God isn't in it because it's just words. And they might be watching. If you are watching, this is that table talk I was just referring to a moment ago. Change. There's opportunity. But when we become baptized into Christ, we are given access to do exactly what we were created to do. Now, one of the things that falls into that access mode is we have got to be careful. Stop trying to fulfill a purpose that was not meant for you. Let Holy Spirit show you exactly why He... I'm going to tell you something today. Some of us, you could be so unhappy and you think, you know, this isn't what I want to do. This job doesn't provide enough, but you love that job. Don't get out of what you love to make more money. Do what you love until you, Holy Spirit shows you a way to produce more within that capacity. Get creative. Do you realize there's a creative spirit in every one of you because Christ is in you? <laughs> Again, when I think about the access that the Father has for you and for me, and I think about what He wants to bring us to, I can't help as we sang that song, we were singing that song this morning, and the kids were singing out loud and and it was just amazing. I can't help but wrap my mind around my passion and my desire to help people get to this place where it isn't a life of I'm just, I, I'm just a good believer and I'm just getting by. But instead it's a life of, man, I'm more than that. I am, I'm not just an overcomer because I say so and because there's a scripture that says I, that I am. I'm an overcomer because I'm an overcomer. I'm victorious not because Scripture says that. I'm victorious not because I did something good. I'm victorious because I'm victorious. And even when the day isn't good, I'm still victorious because it's going to get better because it's me. And God's working in me. Does anybody hear me in this place this morning? So if I want to get to a changed life, I can't be stuck in that place where I'm simply aware and there's people under the sound of my voice that they're just... That's, that's where they've lived for so long. I'm aware, but I'm not convinced. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm aware that there's a God. I see Him working in other people's lives. I just don't see Him working in mine. I just don't see Him uh, doing the things in my life that He's doing in other people's lives. And almost always that's because we're looking for Him to do in our lives what He's doing in somebody else's life, but yours is going to be unique. What he's going to be doing in you is going to be unique. And then the others, that acceptance, you know, I've accepted that he is, and I'm good with that. If I can just accept that he is, I feel like I'm part of the group. And the Father says there's more to it than that. 
I didn't call you just to be in the caravan. Accountability, coming to the place, Father, I choose to be accountable today. I choose to allow you to change me. I I come to you bare. I come to you naked. I come to you raw. I come to you with my arms wide open. I come to you not with anything I've ever learned in the past. I come to you not with the religion I've been associated with. I come to you not with the ideals or the ideas that I've been uh, associated with. I come to you with nothing except for rawness. I come before you today. Show me you. Show me you. I choose to be yours. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about the access part because that will happen because of your accountability. Access comes simply because we choose to be accountable. Stand with me if you would please this morning. I want to give you opportunity today because... It is important. If you feel like you're in a five-mile race and you're stuck at mile four and a half and the road underneath of you keeps spinning like a treadmill and you're not gaining any uh, ground, which is going, 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 keeps rotating, you're not getting any traction, you're not going forward, get raw today. Just get raw. Just get raw. I wonder what we would do in the earth. What we could do in the earth if we really started... Alex Darnell said something this morning when we prayed before we came out here. And he said something in there that was on his heart about... Oftentimes, it is the practical thing, not the spiritual thing, that gets people's attention. Helps them see. I believe that's true because even Scripture says... First the natural, then the spiritual. So there's a very real sense in the fact that what people will see when they look at you, what they see in you will define for them what they can expect, whatever that thing might be. If you're a believer and they're watching you and they see how you live, you're defining for them what they might expect and they're going to make a decision. Do I want that? It's the practical thing. I believe this morning that part of that, going along with what Alex said, the practical side of it is that while we give opportunity for people to come and we lay hands on you and believe for you, I believe that the miracle takes place the moment you make a decision, I want to know Him. In your seat, online, wherever you might find yourself listening to this service, driving down the road, I believe that the miracle takes place in your life the moment you make the decision, I need that. When we lay hands on you, we ask you to come today because we want to come into agreement that what God is doing in your seat or wherever you are, we're coming into agreement today with you that He's doing that. And I can tell you that there's people in this room right now. You're on that four and a half mile. You can't get to that fifth mile. You're spinning your wheels. You feel like, and I'm not, listen. You define it for yourself. But you adorn yourself. You put on all the garments. You put on everything so that you look like you're fulfilling the part. Yet it's just not working out for you. You're aware. But don't yet quite believe. You've accepted that He is, but haven't entered into who He is yet. 
There's people under the sound of my voice this morning. You just need to get raw. I'm just going to put it that way. It's, it's time to get raw. However you've done it, whatever way you've done it, it doesn't even matter anymore because you just need to get raw. It's time. To pe- let's peel some stuff off. Come and join me in the front this morning.